0: welcome to season two of travel with the chance of murder i'm cassidy and i am so excited to welcome you back as we travel around the world recounting spooky stories of true crime and paranormal and give you some travel tips i'm joined by jamie who will be taking you through all the things to do and the history and background of the places that we'll be visiting on this season.
1: Yes, hello everyone, uh, I'm Jamie. Uh, so I'm taking over from Ali's role. Uh, Ali, if you're listening, I understand that I've got a big um, a big shoe to fill. I will try my best uh, for everyone else listening. Hopefully, first of all, you understand my accent and you get some decent entertainment from um, my historical and cultural and different outlook into these ter- typically touristy places to get a little bit more of um, information other than just you know the rides and the, the amazing things you could do in particular countries so hopefully I'm, uh, I'm gonna be along for a while and um, if Cassidy is gonna have me and I keep everyone I keep everyone chuffed.
0: Well I'm excited to hear the things you come up with because you travel so differently than I do I think it'll be a, a unique perspective for people since you just kind of wander and see what's out there where I like to plan every little thing down to the wire.
1: Yeah no I think I think um, there's two there's two, two two ways to well there's multiple ways to travel. First of all, is uh, you know you have a plan for every minute of the day. But I personally like to just go there and you know be with the wind and you have a very loose itinerary and just just live like a local, experience it, and just see where life takes you.
0: Since you're new to the show, I let you choose the destination for the. First episode back, and I'll let you go Mm -hmm. ahead and announce to the people where we're headed this week.
1: So this week, we are heading to my beautiful, glorious native land, Northern Ireland. Woo! Yay! Round of applause in the back for the people. Uh, Yes, so Northern Ireland, I'm going to be telling you a little bit about what Northern Ireland is, when we were founded, how we were founded, and a few little Topical things about Northern Ireland, such as the Giant's Causeway, uh, Carrick Castle, and the Titanic. So keep listening for those really interesting things. But before we get started into Northern Ireland Cassidy, there's a few, a few words um, that I would like to ask you to see. As a non-Northern Irish woman, um, would have any idea what the words mean? So these are these are common slang words, um, and I'm going, I don't think you actually have ever heard me say them before. Maybe one or two.
0: The challenge, um, because I never know what you're saying half the time, anyway. Now you're gonna put words <laughs> I've never heard into <laughs> the mix.
1: Yeah. So we're we're making it double trouble. Uh, so the first word we'll get easy, or we'll yeah we'll start off easy, and then we'll get um we we'll get harder and harder. Okay. All right. So the first word is Baltic. Baltic? If I say to you, yeah, Baltic. If I say to you, I am absolutely Baltic.
0: Is that like exhausted? Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> or if I say, Oh, it's Baltic outside.
0: Mm, it's it's like a stormy.
1: Eh, kind of. So Baltic means really cold. Um if something's absolutely Baltic, B-A-L-T-I-C, it's um it's really really cold. Okay, Okay, second word.
0: It's never cold here, so how would I guess that?
1: (laughs) You're from Canada. It's cold in Canada. (laughs) Uh, Okay, second word. Steaming. Steaming? Steaming. So like steaming without the G in the end.
0: Like muggy? Mm,
1: No, (laughs) not at all. Steaming is whenever you're drunk. So you've been, you've had a few too many... Of the Irish whiskey, or too, too many Guinness, and you're absolutely steaming. That's why we say whenever you're drunk, we don't we don't say drunk, we're tipsy or anything. We say we're a steaming. Okay, like those, those are the easy ones. Yeah, it gets harder. So I hope people at home are are having a, a better better way with this than yourself. Third one, it's a it's a not a single word. It's like a like a phrase. Keep her lit. Oh gosh. Keep her lit.
0: Like is it when someone's on the brink of death?
1: <laughs> no, 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 but I can kinda I can kinda see that. So keeper lit would say, Oh, you're doing fantastic. Keeper lit. Like keep it up. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> keeper lit is like keep that energy, keep going, keep that uh, It's encourage people. So very well done. I will accept that. Don't give up. So keep you know keep the, the energy up. Well done. You got two, or we got one out of three. We'll take um, it. you will take it. I think that was that's quite good. I'll accept the. I'll accept that. And last one is faffin. Oh
0: gosh, I don't even have a fighting chance on this one.
1: F A F F I N. Faffin.
0: Hmm. Is it an adjective?
1: I'd say it's a verb, like stop it so we we'd say stop faffing around
0: i get the context i don't know how to like
1: so we use it to describe like messing around like you said or um procrastinate so if you're you know whenever i do this whenever we're getting ready to go out uh, and i'm slowly getting ready that's faffing i'm faffing about it. like hurry up do what you need to do and let's go that's what faffing is
0: i can use that one in the future for sure I'm
1: faffing well i will be using steaming in a couple of next week i'm actually on my half term so i'm going to be introducing that word back into my vocabulary next week when i'm off from work so keep her lit (laughs) but um, i I realize that being in england and uh, you know traveling the world there's a lot of languages i don't use anymore uh, Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting but i kind of want to kind of want to bring it back into into play so um yeah hopefully people at home you had a, a better or decent i think you got to go two out of four you two out of four hope you had a better um, experience in Cassie with that those are up you know the, the faffin and keeper Lit, yeah i knew those were going to trip you up but those are the ones you actually got correct so hmm. all done okay so um i think we're relatively diced in the northern irish flame So, get ready for a little bit of history on what Northern Ireland is. So, without going into all of the politics and all of the history and all the economics of Northern Ireland and Ireland and Britain, um, give us the cliff notes. The cliff notes. Yeah, the very brief overlay of what Northern Ireland is. To make it brief, I will start in the year 1169. (laughs) It goes that far back. So at 1169 after the Normans conquered England, the Normans thought, oh, you know there's Ireland over there. let's conquer Ireland as well. Now this was when Northern Ireland and Ireland was just one big country. Well, it wasn't even a country, it's just an island, the island of Ireland. So the Normans went over and conquered um, a lot of, a lot of Ireland. and that put Ireland in English control for the next just under 800 years the entirety of ireland um, now what happened was throughout all those centuries there's a lot of infighting and wars and
0: shocking uh, <laughs>
1: it's just it wasn't really good because you had you know you had protestants you had catholics you had people who had different um, political stances and cultural stances it just wasn't a good mix so what happened is britain was in world war one occupied with that and at this year time a lot of people in ireland decided you know we're going to try and take back our country we want the british out um so long story short the these irish people were promised up you know their their freedom if you will um but they were kind of betrayed um after that by the british now i i'm pro british and this is the way i you know i kind of see it they were said you know if you help us in the war we will give you more independence and freedom so, a um, lot of other things happened, and eventually um, Northern Ireland was created in 1921/1922. Wow, uh, that's
0: not you know, that long, long ago.
1: Of, yeah, that's a hundred years this year.
0: It's the Jazz not Age. long
1: at all. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm missing a lot in that history. There's a there's a lot, but we don't have time to go into that. Covered a thousand years um,
0: in like three minutes.
1: Yeah, and there's already people listening to your podcast who are on both sides of the fence or saying, or saying he said this wrong, he said that right. And that's I'm, not, I'm just not getting into it, folks. It's not, you know The podcast isn't that long. So Northern Ireland was the country that wanted to remain part of Britain. And that was the northeast of the island of Ireland. And they consisted of six counties. Fermanagh, Antrim, Tyrone, Londonderry slash Derry, Armagh and Down. So these were our six counties, our six provinces, and these. This is where the you know the com, you know commonly the Protestants lived, where who wanted to be part of Britain, and then you had the uh, Republic of Ireland, who won their freedom from Britain, uh, and that's that's Ireland. But once again, depending on who you ask, there's different terminologies and stuff like that. But we're not getting into. It. What we are going to get into is the Three amazing things about Northern Ireland: Woohoo! Giant's Causeway, yeah, Giant's Causeway, a really interesting natural geolog- geographical location. Uh, Carrick Castle and the Titanic. So we're going to kick it off with the Giant's Causeway. Have you ever heard of the Giant's Causeway before, Cassidy? I have not. No, any anyone have a gander or what it, what it is?
0: When I think of causeway, I just think of like galaxies and stars.
1: Okay, so. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of get that. Like, I think the Causeway is kind of like a straight, kind of road. Whenever I think of it, I think of a valley. Uh, but I love the idea that it's like a galactical space. And as interesting as space is, the you know, Giant's <laughs> Causeway is also very interesting. So um, hopefully, you're not too disappointed by the fact it's not space. Uh, but the Giant's Causeway, it's um, it's it's bloody beautiful. Um, so you stand there and you look north and it's just it's just the Atlantic until Iceland, if you're looking in the right direction. If not, straight up to the North Pole. Um, and you're surrounded by these beautiful, mysterious basalt hexagonal columns sticking out of the ground. There's about 40,000 of them and they're all interlocked like.
0: Did someone just, like, stand there and count each of them? How do they know there's forty?
1: Oh, that's actually a very good point. I never even thought about that. There must be, actually. A, well, I don't know.
0: Can you I not be paid that's your summer job? You
1: just out not, there counting sections hard. of the cosplay. But then, I mean, like, what if you find a rock that's, like, got chipped? Do you count as a whole one? I
0: don't or know.
1: Point of one? Anyway. Um, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough to do that. Stand on the north coast of, uh, of Northern Ireland with, you know, cold, well, no chance. These rocks, these pillars, um, they're not quite thick. They're only about two or two feet thick um, on average, I'd say. Um, but they're really tall, really, really tall. And they're about 12 meters tall or forty, roughly 40 feet for the, the people who use Imperial. Um, and for the people who
0: use basketball hoops, that's for basketball heights.
1: For bas- basketball hoop heights, that is quite that's quite tall. Well, now I know how big a basketball hoop is. I didn't. Is that like the national like the official height for a basketball hoop? Ten feet?
0: I don't know. Growing oh. up, my dad said they were ten feet, so I've always used that as like my frame of. Oh.
1: <laughs> I like that. I've always been told that a door is two meters, but it's nowhere near two meters. It's like it's like two and a half meters. Um, I'm looking at the door right now. Um, so my, our lives are lies. Well, my life's a lie. Although this 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 geographical area can be, you know, with modern science we can understand it. You know, it's estimated to be about fifty to sixty million years ago. It's basalt rock. We you know came from from uh, volcano lava flows. And um, obviously, back in the day, people people didn't know this. Uh, because of this, we created, uh, well, my people, if you will, the Irish people, created myths and legends and stories about the Giant's Causeway and how they were formed. And this is what we're going to get into.
0: We love a good myth or a legend here.
1: Yeah, Yeah, what is the difference between a myth and a legend? I think a legend is born from something that's real. Like, you know, it has some history to it, where in reality where a myth is just completely made up. So I think this would be, it has to be a myth.
0: Would it not be? some? But it's based on the stones and stuff that are there.
1: That's true then. So then there's a legend. It's a very, it's a very good thought.
0: Someone add know, us. Yes. Let us know.
1: <laughs> yes, let us, let us know. We're, we're not too, we're not too sure. And you may be wondering to yourself, well, I haven't mentioned the word giant yet.
0: Yeah, where are the giants in this? <laughs> Hold on. Where are
1: the, where are the giants in this? Here are the giants. So our folklore is there is a giant called Finn McCool. I just think if you're going to be called a giant, you gotta be called something cool. Like I am, the cool giant. Um, now, this giant, big, big giant, had a rivalry with a Scottish giant. Now, if you know anything about geography, um, Scotland's just northeast of, of Northern Ireland. And these two giants had a rivalry. And they're, relative, they're relatively close in terms of giants. Um, so what happened was, Finn McCool was like, come here, big Scottish giant. I want to pick a fight on you, with you. Um, let's, get, let's get, let's get, let's tussle. A little bit of so come at we, me, bro. Yeah, look, yeah, come at me, bro. Yeah, you know, he was not keeping her lit. He was going for a, a, you know, he was faffing around and he needed to go and get his a fight with the Scottish giant, but it was Baltic. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he um, he built a bridge, which is the giant's cause, over to Scotland, and he's seen the, the Scottish giant. Now, I forgot the Scottish giant's name, but as soon as he's seen the Scottish giant, he realised, holy damn, this giant is giant. This is a big one. I cannot fight him. So Finn McCool ran back to Ireland and pretended to be a baby. So he dressed up as a baby. Then the Scottish giant came over and he seen the baby. And he was like, holy word. This baby must be the baby of Finn McCool. This baby is huge. If this baby, which is huge, is, this, is the son of of Finn McCool, well then Finn McCool must be absolutely ginormous and I have, I have no chance fighting him. So the Scottish giant ran back of Scotland and destroyed the the giant's causeway, the bridge, if you will, on the way. That's our folklore. I think is pretty, pretty interesting.
0: It's really smart. I wish I could think of things that quickly when I was in too deep and I realized my mistake. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you just—it's just, just yeah—it's just turn back on it. Well, although that's um—that's our—that's our folklore, and um, there is some 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 method to the madness, if you will. Now, these hexagonal columns are very not so much rare, but they're very unique. You don't get them everywhere. But on Scotland, on sorry, in in Scotland, on the coast of Scotland, there's also these hexagonal rocks that are, that are a lot less known so you know with with modern science we we're able to find that this place um northern Ireland and Scotland were joined at one stage and that's where these here hexagonal columns were made and then obviously over millennia they, they the two the two land masses broke apart
0: they had like uh, matching. okay
1: um, yeah yeah it's, it's pretty interesting so there is you know people who created this folklore thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago had some had some method to it uh, now, speaking of landmasses, what also is pretty cool and just shows you how big these giants actually are. There's a little uh, principality, if you will, in between England and the island of Ireland. Uh, it's called the Isle of Man. Have you ever heard of the Isle of Man?
0: I have not. I'm bad at geography, though.
1: Uh, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very, very small uh, very small landmass, but it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'd love to go. And fun fact, their flag is actually three legs. Uh, it's pretty interesting. You think it'd be called, you know, it'd be called the leg of man. But anyway, um, the another folklore is the Isle of Man was created uh, whenever Finn McCool threw a piece of rock across to Scotland. And it obviously missed and landed in the ocean. And that is um, how the, the folklore for the Isle of Man was created.
0: I like that the characters are consistent. Like, they're the same people that were out and about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we've we've got our own um, we've we've got our way of of doing things, and um, now if you do decide to go to the Giant's Causeway first, of all if you're ever in Northern Ireland or Ireland, please do go, go visit um the country. Uh, that sounds like a plea. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful country. It's very very green. It's very friendly. I would suggest a road trip um of all of Ireland to really get you started. But if you do go to the Giant's Causeway, there's a few little few little tips. However the most the main tip is do not go through the tourist center. Tourist center is going to you know charge you about 15 pounds, $20, 25 Canadian, that's my just rough estimates. And um, which is quite expensive. But there's many entrances which are for the quote locals. But you don't have to be a local to use them. So whenever you are going the the Giant's Causeway, please look for a uh, you know, off the beaten track, follow that, and you will, you know, get a free entry to the causeway.
0: And if you're not gonna pay for your entrance, you can get a nicer dinner and eat all of that yummy, what are Irish foods, Irish stews?
1: Irish foods, or well, Northern Irish, we've got the Ulster Fry, um, and that's, that's mostly it. <laughs> we've got some other, like, little I uh, wouldn't call them delicacies, but our own like uh, sweets and stuff like that. Club, oh, club! I miss club. Club is kind of like Fanta, mm. uh, but better. It's more of a I'm not going to say the word natural, but it's like it's got bits of orange in it. And it's very it's or it's like fizzy orange. It's real. it's beautiful. I miss club.
0: So get um, your free admission. Go have a nice Sunday roast and a club.
1: Yeah, and come come visit Northern Ireland and. Enjoy it, but you know, before we, you know, it's not all said and done, we've still got a few more things to look at. And next up, we have Carrick Castle. So, in um, yeah, Carrick Castle, uh, in 1177 was built by well, started to be built by John de Courcy, uh, who was a Norman Anglo Norman knight, and uh, it was built in Carrick because he was, um, essentially the, the big boss of Ulster. And Ulster um, is one of the provinces of Northern of Ireland, uh, the island of Ireland. You've got Ulster, uh, Munster, Connacht and Leinster.
0: Sorry, I just think it would be so cool to be around in this time period with like the knights and the ladies. Obviously, it's probably not like the King Arthur myth yeah. view I have in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's just cool that he's a knight. People
1: think that, oh yeah, if I go back in time, I'd be a knight or I'd be this, but in most reality you'll probably be a farmer who would die of dysentery. Um
0: be a peasant who has a horrible life. Yeah, yeah.
1: do you know what I mean? Um it was very hard to be a to be a knight to, to get there because it was all in your blood. But I know what you mean you know, the the, the the Hollywood chivalry is people what people think. Yeah. Um but yeah so Car Castle throughout its its lifetime, uh, it's been around obviously for nine hundred fifty years ish. Um, it was used up until 1928, like actually used by the military until 28. Oh wow! Um, that's why I think even during World War One, it was used as um, stuff. But um, yeah, so it's 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 seen action uh, all the way up. It's been besieged by the English, obviously the English, Scottish, Native Irish, the French. Everybody kind of wanted their hands on it because it was such a good. Um... Now over the years, um, there's obviously been new additions to it. You know, extra walls put up, uh, cannons put in. Um, stuff like that and whenever we go to Northern Ireland I'm going to show you it's absolutely amazing. Um, on special occasions they have reactors really that um, go through it and do things and there's, there's so much history. In it. It's
0: so hard to envision that kind of stuff when you visit those old castles like people living there yeah. and going about their lives or when we were in Vienna trying to picture the family eating together at the yeah, yeah, their yeah. private dinner table. Yeah and just walking through and seeing the size of the rooms or how regal and ornate and over-the-top yeah. they were
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to like we're sitting here now with screens in front of us and tech galore and What I said to you a few days ago We have got more technology in our phone mm-hmm. than we do in the entire world in the 1960s. It's crazy um, But you know, when you think about it hundreds of years ago, like I've said people, you know ugh. um. But it's pretty cool. Kyra Castle's got a, a, a it has an inn, and it's called Dobbins, and it's about 200 metres away from the castle. But there's a secret underground passage that leads from the castle to this inn, and you can go to the inn and eat and drink, and it's uh, one of um, Ireland's oldest um, inns, which is mm-hmm. pretty, pretty interesting. But uh, that's kind of Castle. We could probably do a full episode in the castle. Um, but... Oh,
0: I bet. I bet there's stuff I could cover there too, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah.
1: oh there's. <laughs> I'm just I just remember it all now, but yeah. Then, if you want to know more about Car Castle, give us a shout. It's like, well,
0: the seizures I bet alone, I we could cover in well, a full the,
1: episode. Yeah. the murder holes, the the prisoners, if, oh, the the wells, the I mean, the people who live there. We can we can go into it. And the <laughs> third thing that we're going to discuss, well, I'm going to tell you actually, because I'm really discussing, is. <laughs> tell you how it is, uh, is the Titanic. You can't really do Northern Ireland without going to the Titanic. Uh, Now, the Titanic.
0: Wait, sorry, really important question for you. Yeah. Was there room on the board for Jack? Uh,
1: Well, I actually remember watching a um, Mythbusters episode on this, and yes, there was. (laughs) A
0: lot
1: of wood, <laughs> they did a Mythbusters. Yeah, they did. They did. And um, there's a lot of space. Um but there's a lot of things in that that they got right and there's a lot of things they got wrong. Mm. Um, And we're going to go over them.
0: Great. Well, a few of them anyway. I um, love the Titanic. Like, I think the ship is so interesting. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, it's, it was the biggest cruise liner of its of its time. It was just the, the sheer... Like, we look at cruise ships today and like, oh, that's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. But we're used to things like that now, you know. But the t- Titanic was just... There's, that that was that was the start. That was the oh, like let's let's get into it. Um, so it's it was built in Belfast, mm-hmm. registered in Liverpool, and started its maiden voyage from Southampton. Titanic was. It, I would describe it as the Burj Khalifa of boats. Yeah. During the time, the the one thing that the movie got well done done quite well, um, was whenever the, the ship sailed, you see the camera kind of like pan up to to the, just the sheer scale of it, mm-hmm. um. It was effing huge for its time now nowadays it's not a big but at the time it was just boom the the entire story of jack bringing it you know is fictional mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah but uh, sorry yeah sorry
1: so, so family and uh rose is it's all fictional obviously there are poor people that possibly won the ticket and there's obviously rich people there uh, that had a bad husband
0: oh i'm sure the classism oh yeah was oh, yeah. very much alive and yeah. the different ranges of people on the ship were yeah. Very, see, very obvious. You
1: see, you see in the movie the the boiler man, um, the, the just shoveling coal, and you think in the movie, oh, they're pretty tough men. I mean, yeah, they were all too tough, but like you're you're talking like twelve hour shifts in yeah, that yeah. heat, just shoveling coal. The ship the ship was d- d- divided into different parts. Remember in the movie, it says like a certain amount could 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 have water in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like different c- compartments of the ship, like different. So think of the entire ship as divided in like the 10 or 12 parts, like with big metal walls. Still nothing. <laughs> Sorry. It was, anyway, it was one of the most technological boats of its time. Uh, so it was built in Belfast by a company called Harland and Wolf. Huge worldwide uh, shipbuilding company. Belfast is quite known for its shipbuilding and linen. It wasn't to be. Five days into its voyage, it hit a big iceberg. Mm-hmm. The movie got that relatively right. It wasn't a direct hit, it was a, it was a scrape
0: that's so wild that yeah. even a scrape could take out a ship that
1: big there's actually three ships titanic olympic and the uh Titanic. now this is where the conspiracy theory is before the titanic set seal the olympic so government these here ships are identical okay obviously they have some small things that are different but
0: i mean i can see them now they look
1: yeah, just about the same, uh, especially the Olympic and the Titanic. The only difference was the funnel, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, so before the Titanic set sail, the Olympic had an issue and uh, it cra- not crashed but it had damage. The conspiracy theory is that it was actually the Olympic that sent that went that set sail and beca- and uh, you know they've done a crap job repairing it, and that's why the, the iceberg done so much damage because it was it hit weakened metal.
0: Because um, the ship was already only at like 70% so getting a yeah. little scrape yeah. took it out.
1: And that's, that, that's the conspiracy theory but you know, it's here, here you want to believe because you want to think about it, all you need to do is just paint on a different name on the ship.
0: It's quite a big tragedy either way, yeah. no matter what ship it was. Yeah, that,
1: that's true that's <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was over 1,500 lives were lost uh, during the Titanic. And yes, it was a tragedy, but the kind of messed up thing was in the movie. There's not enough lifeboats, and that is true. There was not enough lifeboats, but that wasn't Titanic's fault. By law, that's all they they had. By well, it's, it's corporate greed, isn't it?
0: They had the number required, they and they didn't the, buy more to actually it. accommodate the passengers because yep. it wasn't acquired, so they didn't have to hit that number.
1: Yep. By law, I think it was you only had to have a third of your full capacity um, for boats.
0: That's horrible. It's, it's effing horrible, yeah.
1: Especially, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Um, and they, some by the top probably thought, you know what, let's save some money. This is the unsinkable ship. It was called the unsinkable ship. Mm. We're not going to sink. Uh,
0: the Like, it's more, it's just for luck. We're not actually going to have to use these. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. So, yeah, they, they only had 20, 20 lifeboats a um,
0: box on a checklist
1: yeah exactly um, and like in the movie some boats were just never full to the brim now um, even if every lifeboat was full they could only have saved about 53% of how many people were actually on the boat that's including crew as well but you just think about that like the Atlantic the it's middle of the doomed Atlantic doomed from
0: the beginning yeah like,
1: yeah like the, the true thing in the movie as well they only had white fireworks which were acceleration fireworks they didn't pack red ones for some reason, which is show emergency. Mm-hmm. There was actually a boat that was quite close to the Titanic. I mean, in terms of how big the ocean is. Yeah. And they may have seen the fireworks, um, but they seen them as white and ignored there's it.
0: There's no need for them to get worried if it's yeah. not the right colour.
1: Exactly. If you want to know more about Titanic, uh, there's the Titanic Museum in Belfast. Oh, is, cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. What I love about it is the building itself
0: does it Look like a boat, tell me. It looks, it like, a looks boat. like the front of Titanic, yes, and it is
1: exactly half the size of the bow. The bow that's not but the front of the ship. I don't know, what, it's not called a bow. Are uh, they called a the bow? Oh well, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it's it's pretty impressive. The museum tells you obviously about the history of Titanic, who was on it, It has some written accounts of people who were there, uh, mm. some of their belongings, and it's really it's really um eye opening and and quite touching. Getting
0: chills just like thinking yeah. about seeing. The accounts and people's stories of being on the yeah. ship.
1: That's like Titanic. You know, we've touched on three quite in-depth, but also not in-depth topics. Like you, we could probably do segments on these entire entire things, and um, the Causeway, Car Castle, Titanic. Um, and Northern Ireland has a lot to offer.
0: How long would you recommend someone go visit for?
1: That has a great question. My personal opinion is, if you're doing Northern Ireland. Okay, so, Northern Ireland, I'd say to really fully experience it 10 days. I mean, that's that's
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so you're a dander speed,
1: <laughs> yes, a turtle dander speed. And the thing about Northern Ireland is you can drive like the entire country in two hours, three hours, maybe. There's sometimes you could drive for about half an hour and not see anybody because it's just so empty. There's a lot of things there, but it's mostly natural beauty uh if you're doing the entirety of ireland which i would suggest do all of ireland rather than just northern ireland i would say do a two-week road trip uh do a clockwise of the coast mm-hmm. and then come into the center so you go from belfast down the dublin south coast west coast up the north to london's area and then straight down past the west of lochney into the into the heartland and the farmlands that's what i would suggest because it is a beautiful country it's green very if you're not used to seeing the color green <laughs> like it's called the Emerald Island because it is so green. Um, I miss it, and the air is especially here in Dubai. I miss the air. Like we went to Vienna, and Vienna was nice air, but still not as nice as. as
0: yeah, green. I've heard the countryside is just yeah. gorgeous. It's amazing,
1: but yeah, that's that's um very brief of uh, Northern Ireland. I hope you guys have learned a little bit about it, and you're a little bit interested, and maybe. Um, I've taught you a few little things and um, yeah, I'll see you on the next one. So, uh, Cassidy is going to tell us a little bit about what's happened in... What is the the main title of it?
0: I'll take over from here. Okay, well,
1: you, you, <laughs> go, you go for it.
0: So, I really spoiled Jamie. Not only did I let him pick where we would go this week as our episode topic, but I also let him have the choice if he would prefer that I find a true crime story Or a supernatural story and he said that he wanted a supernatural tale so (laughs) get out your sage get out (laughs) your your good energy because it's about to get a little little spooky in here so this week i'm covering the Kunin poltergeist which is exciting for me because i haven't covered a poltergeist yet on, on the show yeah and it's kind of a double whammy in terms of the the spook factor because not only does it have a poltergeist but it also has an exorcism
1: Mm. yes please yeah
0: and it's believed that the cunean ghost house which is really the center of my story is the only house in ireland which has had an exorcism happen at it so oh oh okay
1: okay that's quite um that's quite interesting
0: so the cunean ghost house is about an hour and a half outside of belfast driving it's set back many miles from the main road in a wooded area and it's kind of on top of a little mountain area and it's a broken down cottage so picture this stone cottage, red metal roof no windows or doors intact but graffiti all over the walls which I wouldn't be brave enough to go graffiti a house that's known to be super haunted uh, and spooky but
1: it is literally in the middle of nowhere Yeah, there's a few houses around but in the, in the vast area of things, it is in like proper farmland. Like you think Midwest, American Midwest, where there's mm-hmm. nothing. It's it's there, um, and you the the surrounding area has been um, what's the word? I want to don't want to say abandoned, but like it, it, it looks like no one's going anywhere near it to build. Yeah. So it, yeah, there's a lot of spook.
0: Let's go back in time before it was run down. About a hundred years earlier, to a time when a family lived there. Meet the Murphys. Husband and wife, Michael and Bridget Murphy, had their six children together. Um, But one terrible day in 1907, Michael Sr. was unfortunately killed in a tragic accident, living, uh, so he left behind a big will to Bridget and the rest of the family. Okay. So with the money from the will, six years later in 1913, Bridget moves into the quote unquote ghost house as we know it today. 1913. 1913. Before the war, okay. So paranormal events start to happen in the house. First, there's an occasional knock on the front door, but when someone goes to look at who's knocking on the door, no one's there. And after a couple weeks, the knocks become more frequent and they are no longer just on the doors, but also on the windows.
1: So the the thing thing about the knocking is, right, I I really want to explain to listeners, this place is in the middle of nowhere currently, a hundred years ago. It's doubly in the middle. I mean, obviously it hasn't moved location, but there's even less around 100 years ago.
0: But the cities haven't developed as much. And, yeah. yeah.
1: There's, there's, I mean, I'm looking, we're looking, we know where it is now. We're looking at the map. We, there's nothing around. But 100 years ago, it was even less around. So having the fact that there's knocking on the door through a, through a period of time, it couldn't just be a neighbor, but oh.
0: But anyway, so there's knocks and then the knocks eventually turn into footsteps. So above the house was actually a room that they used as storage for hay. And the room is only accessible through a stone staircase that was in conjunction adjoined to the house. So you would have to go out this one really specific route to get to the roof area, attic area, where they would hear the footsteps. And every time that someone would go investigate, no one was in that room either. So in addition to the knocking, they also had some scraping sounds. And the scraping actually sounded like a song called the Soldier Song. Have you heard of that before? Nope. Okay, I don't have the tune written down, so I can't, like, knock it or anything for you. But the spirit just became more energetic, and after the knocking, the footsteps, there would be actual objects moving around. Nope. Which is, you know, classic poltergeist. So they would throw this energy, would throw pots and pans around the room, and not only would they do that, it would close drawers on the kids' fingers. Oh,
1: no, no. Which is so mean. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know poltergeists are already inherently evil, but you've got to be doubly evil to that, to...
0: To little kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What would be even more spooky would be if it was, like, the kid's singular hand or double hand, double hand, two hand, one hand or two hand. Like, I mean, if the kid got one hand nipped, you could argue, you know, the kid may have pushed the the cover by accident and nipped the the hand, but if they got two hands cut,
0: yeah, I can't confirm if it's one or two, yeah. but it's still be not a very nice thing to yeah. do. So in their desperation, the family goes to the church and asks for help. And so this is where the exorcism kind of starts to begin. So two different priests actually came to the property. It's argued maybe there was even more, but it's pretty well accepted throughout yeah. the city in the area that two came. So. Father Peter Smith and Father Eugene Coyle of McGuire Bridge agreed to visit the property to witness the occurrences for themselves. So we're getting in now to the perspective of the actual priest. So now the family, we know, know their experiences, but Father Coyle was given permission to actually carry out the exorcisms. So he is going through the ritual process, and he describes seeing... Clothing rise and fall on the empty bed as if someone was like underneath it breathing.
1: All right, so the the thing that's first of all bloody creepy. Um, the thing as well I want to point out is this this place. It's more than likely the, the family were Catholic due to their geographic location, and for a from my current understanding of Catholicism and exorcism, for the church to allow a priest, never mind two, to go into a home to look for exorcism. It ha- there has to be a really strong case. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, oh, go down to the church, you old priest, can you come to the house? It's not like that. Glad. It's steps, it's laborious, You've, you know. Yeah. So it's official that they're there. There's a you know, the process
0: they're... you have to go yeah. through, right? So there's yeah. something
1: going on if they're there.
0: So not only is the noise horrible, but it sounds like, you know, someone's trying to breathe their last breath. And then all of a sudden the covers flatten out as if nothing happened. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. Horrible. No, no, no.
0: So then the second priest, Father Smith, said that he felt what was like snakes squirming underneath the sheets of the bed he was sitting on when he was visiting the home. Um, And he challenged the entity at one point, saying it felt like a rat was under his hand and then an eel-like thing wrapped itself around his wrist, but never touched his hand. It was just kind of like wrapped itself around and felt like there was something under his hand. Kind of like
1: a handcuff kind of a constraint yeah. or something, like you're being tied down, but by eels.
0: Yeah. The priests also claimed to hear what sounded like snoring coming from darkened corners in the room, and then the snoring sound turned into spitting and hissing, which is also just very dark sounding. Father Coyle, so back to the first priest, reported witnessing objects levitating and moving around the room. He also said that a lot of the activity seemed to center around one of the daughters, so the daughter, Annie, apparently had the energy get very excited whenever she was around. And so the priest had Annie and her mother take turns lying across the bed. And the activity got bigger when Annie was on the bed.
1: Do we know how um, how old Annie is?
0: No, it didn't tell me.
1: And for the, for the listeners there, Cassie just like jumped a little bit and looked behind I her. thought I
0: heard a noise in the hallway and it really scared me. <laughs> Like maybe like the I get on edge there. when I <laughs> when I tell these stories.
1: <laughs> but that that is quite. I mean, uh, I believe in ghosts and poltergeist. Well, that stuff doesn't really scare me. I mean, obviously, if if I was there and it happened to me, I'd I'd brick myself. But this is this is quite quite creepy.
0: The priests do the exorcisms, but unfortunately, the activity continues. But I think at this point, you know, now not only do they have the town kind of aware that yeah. their energies taking place in the house, but then priests come and exorcisms fail. So a local MP comes and visits the property, I think, just out of interest to okay. come check it out. Uh, an MP is like a government official, right?
1: Member of Parliament, um, your local counselor. Cons- yeah. yeah, Yeah. let's just say that, yeah.
0: So his name was Kahir Healy, and he expressed utter astonishment at what he saw. So he said that he saw like dancing shadows and moving objects. And again, this poltergeist really loves music. So, like I said, the knocks and the scrapes was something that he also witnessed and heard and recognized to be in line with the soldier song. And the family would say that the entity would bang and thump along to music. So, if they were playing music in the house, the energy also would get like louder to go along with the music. Oh, no, I don't like that at all. A little bit. Around this time, after the MP and the priest come through, friends and neighbors continue to. Gossip and talk about the Murphy's eventually saying that the Murphy's kind of brought this energy upon themselves practicing witchcraft um, They claimed that the Murphy's son found a book in the forest and apparently developed like an unhealthy interest in mm-hmm. in the spiritual world and Maybe tried to raise a demon in the house. And so that kind of left the poltergeist energy. Yeah behind trapped kind of... Yeah, so of course now they're running one of their family's name through the mud basically and that's kind of the last straw for the family they decide to leave their home and set sail for america that year
1: okay so you're trying to like, they just thought you know let's get away from it let's try and just completely change our lives
0: yeah they're like okay clearly we're not wanted in this city this house is horrible yeah and mm-hmm. they, you
1: know like you said you know their found fam- their name is just back through the mud they're now they're probably now known as the
0: Yeah, there's a ghost family, the the haunted house, yeah. So much to their horror, unfortunately, the poltergeist seems to follow them on their (sighs) boat to America. (laughs) There's documentation um, following this account that passengers on the ship would complain about raps and bangings coming from the Murphy's cabin on the ship. The noises apparently were so bad that the captain went to Mrs. Murphy personally and told her, you need to stop making so much noise. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my, I don't like that. And of course, when she's like, it's not my fault, like there's a poltergeist that just keeps following us. The captain did not believe her um, and like threatened that he was going to take the Murphys off the ship if the noise continued. The noise and activity also followed them to their new house in America. But over time, the manifestations and the wrappings eventually stopped, which is great. The family was able to Try to have some normality. Continue for their life, though. I read from a couple sources that one of the daughters spent some time in a mental institution because it's pretty traumatic. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So so how, how, how many years was this kind of going on then?
0: Uh, it sounds like they only were there for like under a year before they moved to America. And, okay. and then I don't have how long they were in America for with the, the spookiness. I don't think I could last a week with rappings and bangs and footsteps. And pots and pans and drawers being shoved closed on my fingers. So, would you like to know what's left of the cottage that the Murphys used to live in? I think I'm imagine you could
1: probably go and visit it, but would you really want to?
0: I don't know if you'd want to, but I can tell you about people who did. Yes, certainly. The paranormal investigations that took place.
1: Oh, so they're even... In, quote, modern times nowadays, there's still paranormal investigations, not just tourists?
0: There are, and there actually have been a couple by some notable people that you might know. Oh, okay. So, one team that investigated the property were from the County Antrim Paranormal Research Association. Okay. So, the CAPRA. On their visit, they noted changes to the property. They found the property pretty overgrown with trees. Um, which, you know, just adds to the spooky and like eerie feeling of, you know, silence and stillness. I think that's, you yeah. know, you're walking up and everything's so quiet. The quiet just makes it
1: yeah, in the middle of nowhere.
0: terrifying. <laughs>
1: Surrounded by trees and woodland. And
0: so the team decide they're going to set up static night vision cameras in three rooms, along with some audio recorders and motion sensors. And they do a lot of EVP sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, basically it just like picks up any noise in the room and if things get shifted or anything, it picks up on that. So, the group start their investigation by playing the soldier song. Mm. They play it on like a penny whistle and they started to get spikes on the meter. They made sure that none of the phones on their team were on. They didn't use any radios. um, And the house is so far away from anything that it couldn't have picked up on anything. So after going through and playing the penny whistle, they decide they are going to sit back to their cars for a break. It must have taken a while to set everything up and then kind of do a couple of first investigations. And it said on the way back to their cars, they heard some whistling coming from trees near the cottage, similar to that of a penny whistle.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to this place. Um, no, thanks. So uh, I've just I, I know what the soldier song is. It's um, actually Ireland's Anthem. Now obviously from what we've learned, Ireland wasn't really founded until 19... Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 20. later down. So, but Soldier Song was actually created before the formation of Ireland. It was created in 1910. So it, it lines up correctly with the, this paranormal time.
0: Yeah. So yeah, after hearing the penny whistle, everything's still recording in the house. So everything is kind of on just in case. And when they go back and review the audio, they heard some movements, some shuffling in the room. They checked the video footage. There's no animals in the property. The weather was still nothing. So that was the one investigation. The other investigation was actually led by BBC. Oh,
1: okay, my team.
0: Yeah, so they had a show on the network called Northern Ireland's Greatest Haunts.
1: That I need to watch that? <laughs> I'm glad you have told me about that, I'm watching that. Here. Yeah,
0: so if you're interested in watching this specific episode, it's on season two, episode two. Okay. And they did their investigation in November of 2010, so fairly recent. Yeah. In the last kind of 15 years, the crew reported strange problems with their equipment. Their cameras and their microphones would suddenly be drained of all their battery, and one man reported that he felt like someone was blowing on the, his cheek.
1: No, well, thank you. Not like any of this.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> with a mixture of it's all it's all very subtle, kind of, and even to this day, that's the thing. Like this. Event happened in 19... 10. Yeah, 1910, 1913, you said, yeah. before the war. But even to this day in 2010, that's 100 years later, it's still
0: something. You're still something, yeah. I think that's the creepiest, too, when you don't, I mean, you don't see anything, but you just noise. Oh, did I actually hear something? Yeah, you start
1: doubting yourself, start questioning yourself. Yeah. yeah.
0: So with the BBC came Marion Goodfellow, who is one of the UK's top spiritual mediums. She comes as part of the investigation to the house and her comments on it is that it's the scariest, most awful place she has ever visited. And I obviously haven't watched the series so I don't know if she does...
1: says That kind of idea for everything else?
0: Well, no, I was just going to say like I don't know if... She... They're her go-to medium if she's in all the episodes for every season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if she's been to a lot of spooky places or not, but if she is, I mean, that's...
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this is her second spooky place...
0: Second, season two?
1: No, but no, I mean, if this is, like, the second place she's ever been to, and she says, is this spookiest? Well, it's not really spooky.
0: Exactly. But if she's been to a hundred... So walking up to the house, she becomes short of breath. Um, She said that she could feel the presence of a man about 5'8", and as she gets closer to the house, she said he's very angry and he did not want her or anyone there. She said she made contact with him and he was wearing a dark coat and holding a flat stone. She comments he was really nasty and believed his name was John and said the energy of the whole house was just really evil. See, I think
1: there's ways to describe things like that. You know, you, could describe, you could say sinister, you could say dark, you could say haunted, but whenever you pick the word evil... yeah you, you want to you run away you want to turn around
0: I think it's interesting too to debate you know the fact of it following the family yeah usually entities can't really yeah. move from they stick with the, the things I've read yeah but to go back to the house after you know no one's living there anymore yeah that's, well that's that's, it. that's I mean, interesting you could
1: too. you could theorize that you know the, the, the racial family made it up uh, for publicity but then what benefit do you get out of that? You know, and then you could say that they went to America and that's whenever they says it followed them. Well, we current knowledge is they don't follow you, so they could have been making it up even more.
0: But it said there's reports, you know, that's from the it. ship that
1: That's it. There's multiple witnesses, there's multiple people saying things and it's happening.
0: Written down, documentation, yeah. yeah. Um so one last thing I was gonna point out in the nineteen nineties, the Kunin Community Development Association started to look at opportunities and the possibility of bringing tourists to oh, the ghost house yeah. uh, their plans were quickly dashed away when the local priest warned that that would just cause trouble and you know it wouldn't be smart to disturb a house that has haunted house, a reputation yeah. of being haunted and um, there was a quote from one of the articles I read that I really liked from a man called Graham Gunn, and he heads out the paranormal society that's around that yeah. area and he also urged caution, saying there's a very heavy and eerie atmosphere surrounding the house. The reason it is such an attraction to paranormal enthusiasts is the story of the hauntings that I've kind of told, as well as that it, an exorcism has play, happened here. And it's like the only one in, that's happened yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. So, it's quite significant. I can understand the point the priest made and I think the Kunin ghost house should only be visited by those who want to further understand the story of it and not have the house exploited by those who want to commercialize it. So kind of like a... I understand people want to come check it out and if it's respectful, they want to learn about it for sure, but if they're just trying to make money out of it, that doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm I'm interested in going to see it now, but no. Like, I will... Respectfully observe it from a distance because it's just for me, it's just one of those things like, why risk bringing something home? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it really worth it to like to was it worth it being in the building in the risk of no, it I,
0: like latching on, yeah, it's hatching itself. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the brave can still visit today if you want. Um, I'd advise caution, it, there's I have no idea what's there. Um, well, it is boarded up now. It is a run-down old cottage, yeah, so.
1: health and safety, and I, I mean, there, there is not much to see from what we've that word looked at, because there were a lot of people looking at it.
0: The graffiti from the teens. Yeah, and so they
1: decided to board it up, and um, yeah.
0: But that's Northern Ireland. That's N.I. That's,
1: that's my, that's my land. Not my specific land, but where, where I'm from. <laughs>
0: Thank you for tuning in for season two, the kickoff premiere episode of Travel with a Chance of Murder. And we'll see you for our next destination somewhere around the world.
1: On behalf of the flight crew, thank you for flying with us and have a pleasant day.